Yeah. Okay. Good morning. Carl, thank you so much for uh, having me, especially after being away two, three weeks and allowing the pulpit to be occupied by somebody else. So that's good friendship. <laughs> uh, thank you for years of friendship and prayers and support through the years. Uh, I'm honored to be with you. As you can see, the map here, uh, uh, Middle East and North Africa, I think it was uh, given a name by President Bush, MENA, Middle East and North Africa. That's the area I serve. I serve with Christar for the last 18 years as the Arab Affinity Director, which means responsible for the ministries, including uh, the Arab work, uh, and uh, uh, France. Why France? Because we have three cities that we're involved in, uh, Grenoble, Lyon, and Marseille planting churches among North Africans there. So uh, we don't have a clicker, so probably I'll just keep doing like this. That's my <laughs> click. And uh, this is our family. Uh, uh, my beautiful wife is Ruba. And uh, I have three boys. Uh, no more boys anymore. The youngest is 18. And we will be empty nesters as of this August. Our youngest is going to uh, Regent University in uh, Virginia Beach. And uh, we're, we're not empty house yet, where Ruba's mother lives with us and Ruba's niece lives with us, but at least as far as our kids, we will not have them around. And they always a blessing to have them back. Uh, today is Father's Day. I would say the most enjoyment thing I've done is being a father. So happy Father's Day, and what a blessing to be uh, entrusted by God to raise children. And we know this, they're not ours, they're his. I will just uh, have the privilege of working in their life for so many years and see them grown and love the Lord and walk with him. So I would say to all fathers today, you're blessed and uh, happy Father's Day. Uh, the Arab world has not been the safest in the last four years. And if I told you that somebody prophesied that this is gonna happen, nobody would believe what's happened in the last two years. Uh, started in Tunisia, what called the Arab Strings, millions of people were protesting and uh, now we have uh, Islamic regime more in Tunisia. Then Egypt, Mubarak, who been a president for so many years and nobody realized that millions of people were against him. And unfortunately, what's happening in Egypt now is not really what they were hoping for, more freedom. They were having more Islamic regime and we'll see that. Uh, millions of people were protesting and hoping to have more space and more freedom. And uh, now Mubarak is in jail. Uh, he appeared many times in jail, uh, appearing in courthouse, being on bed rest. And he's in his 80s anyway. And uh, they were asking Egypt to be free. Unfortunately, what we have to see now is uh, run by the Islamic Brotherhood. Morsi has uh, been the president and uh, appointing a more uh, all his cabinet and ministers are Muslim Brotherhood. Nobody would thought Egypt will be under Muslim Brotherhood, and now they are. Uh, I was hearing a joke by former president about 40 years ago, uh, Jamal Abdel Nasser was making a joke how the Muslim Brotherhood want me to ask the girls to be covered in Egypt, and everybody was laughing when he was giving the speech. And 40 years, that's what's happening, exactly. It's not a joke anymore, it's real life. Islamic Brotherhood has been working day and night forcing their agenda, and now they are in power, not only in Egypt, but that's what's happening now in Syria. We can see the next slide, Libya, uh, Muammar al-Qaddafi, who was uh, kind of the strongest uh, dictators in his town. Now he's, uh, he's out, and uh, he was killed by his own people. You can see 
uh, he's gone, and now there is a chaotic things happening in Libya. We have some workers with Kristar would love to go to Libya, and we have an American family who went for a week, and they realize it's not the best time for security. They're praying and preparing themselves to go to Libya, but still not stable. Yemen uh, has so much problems against uh, Ali Abdullah Saleh, who was the president. He resigned because of all the persecution, the pressure. They attacked him. He himself was fully burned, and he was receiving treatment in Saudi Arabia. So he's not the president anymore. Uh, what's happening there, Islamic? Brotherhood coming more and more. Uh, so that's the, the, the things around us. Asset, wake up, your time is up. Who thought the stable and nobody was, there was a joke, you cannot open your mouth in Syria except in the dentist. And now everybody is screaming against the regime. And unfortunately, I don't think if Al-Assad is gone, we will have a better regime. I think we will have a worse regime. We'll be Islamic Brotherhood. That's what's happening every day in, in, in Syria, uh, killing. And the average uh, people who are leaving Jordan, uh, to Jordan, every day from Syria, about 2,000 refugees daily. And that's the same thing to Lebanon, same thing to Turkey. You can see, imagine the destruction, cities like this. It's, uh, they just come and wipe it out. It's, just, and it's basically Sunni against Shi'is. The regime is Shi'i. The people who are protesting are the Sunni and Muslims fighting each other and killing each other. Uh, Jordan. Jordan is still the most stable, but in the last two years, we have witnessed at least 4,000 protests against the government. But praise God, it's been peaceful. No bloodshed has happened in Jordan yet, and the king has gave his orders to show patience. In fact, when people are protesting and speaking against the king, the police is giving juice and water and calming people down instead of fighting and fighting back. So Jordan had its share by Muslim Brotherhood. We're trying to uh, go and rally, but praise God that uh, they have not powered any yet. And it seems people have seen what's happened in the neighborhood and they realize, is that what we're asking for? And I think they're a little bit calmed down. They don't want to see. And Jordan is more of a tribal people, so the tribes are trying to be more behind the king so far. But we have a large number of uh, refugees. Now we have Syrian refugees averaging over a million people in Jordan. When we say a million, we're six million. So if you have a million refugees, that's about 20%. We have about half a million Iraqis. We have lots of Libyans, Yemenis, uh, and you just name it, the traffic in Jordan. And one of the worst thing and nightmare that we have is water. Just uh, the drinking water that you come and take shower, enjoy with the water. We receive water one day a week, and sometimes not 24 hours, probably like 18 hours. And that's before all this crisis. So imagine what would happen with all this. And the summer is coming, and we have this number of a huge number of refugees, and they will need all those necessities. Uh, uh, so this is the Middle East and North Africa. It's a lot of uh, chaotic, but God allow us to be there. And not only myself, we have about 50 missionaries working with Christar with us serving in those areas so you can pray for them. One of the things that we realize we have to do is to register as a non-church organization to provide cover for the ministry we do and especially for Arab women today. So we came with the idea of ACTS. We'll take it from the book of ACTS and the, the acronym for 
uh, Arab Center for Consulting and Training Services was registered last year by the, the Ministry of Culture. So we're official by the government. And when I submitted the, the goals and the visions, I th everybody told me you will never be approved because you're so general, you can do whatever you want. But praise God, they approved it. And now we can do whatever we want to in a way uh, under the Ministry of Culture. Uh, it took us about 25 years, Ruba and I, to integrate in one ministry. So now we're in the same building. This is Arab Women Today Ministry. <clears throat> God had blessed us. You can keep going. Uh, Arab Women Today and Acts are now one, one ministry, one body. And we're trying to be a soul to the community. This is uh, the church building that we were able to purchase last year. We're not rich. We do not have the whole building. We just had the ground floor. This is just one flat. It costs us about 600,000 US dollars for just the flat that we're, we're in. We're still uh, praying for funds for the building, but we're there, praise the Lord. Uh, the thing that really uh, put pressure on us these days are the Syrian refugees and the needs by the Syrian refugees. It's amazing. Uh, Ruba was having a, a heart in December of last year to start working with Syrian refugees. So the Lord has provided the first $5,000 and another $5,000, and she started visiting in the north of Jordan. Why north? Because most people are focused their ministry in the camp area, which called the Zatari, about 250,000 there. But there's so much organization trying to help. But in the north of Jordan, hardly anybody is working with them, and people are living in apartments. And when you're talking apartments, people we're having like basements that never been used. Now like two, three families live in those basements and high rent and taking advantage of the situation. So every time Ruba comes back, she's just uh, down because of the suffering. One time they were doing presentation at the church and a person came and he said, I don't have a need for money. I just want people to listen to my story. I want somebody just to love me and care for me. And he was just sharing his story and crying and crying with the pain and the, the things that they're going. So we in, in, kind of expanded our ministry, and the Lord has provided us with some partners. So we had hired two full-time staff in the last few months, and we adopted 1,000 Syrian families in the north of Jordan to provide for them. The basic things we'll provide, two mattresses, two pillows, two covers. In the wintertime, we provide heaters, and we're providing milk, uh, for the children, diapers, and uh, some food items and some kitchen supplies. And that will be worth in each package about 110 US dollars. If any of you would like to share or participate, there are some sheets. You can do that and just uh, either through the church or through Christar, you're welcome to do this. We have our volunteers visiting homes and praying with people, and almost 99% of the refugees are radical Muslims. So that's what we see. And we ask them to come to the church for distribution and for talking to them. And they don't have a problem. They've never been at church. But now you see them coming to the church and listening to the word of God. And I thought of an idea. Why just partner with churches? I have partnered with four churches. I went to the two, one of the largest mosques in North Jordan, introduced myself to the Islamic Relief Organization, and I told them we would like to reach out for the Syrian and help them with the love of Jesus Christ in our heart. And I couldn't believe the welcome I had. So now we have two Islamic relief organizations, North Jordan, are our partners. They know who we are. 
And we told them we're not going to do aggressive evangelism. We just want to love the people and just share their needs and pray for them. And that's what's happening now. In fact, some of the seminars that we do for the women for trauma counseling, it's done in the mosque. <laughs> They're providing us the rooms free of service, free of charge, just to be able to love the people and share uh, Christ's love with them in, in a non-aggressive way, just to being a salt and being light to the people. Like this is a small kitchen of people. They just have pots on the floor. That's their kitchen. This is not trash bags. This is part of the packages that we're preparing and we're reaching out and trying to provide. Now we rented storage spaces and uh, amazingly that God has been provided uh, the needs. Uh, the agreement was this is the paper look like that you can have it on the table if you would like to partner in any help for the Syrian refugees. So we're clinging to God's sovereignty at this time. Uh, there is so much challenges, but we're blessed to be at this time where we are right now to serve the Lord. We're going to go to the topic of today. Uh, Christ asked us, and he said, we are salt of the earth and we are light of the world. Uh, so this is the Bible verse, so we can skip. It's been already been read. Um, uh, discipleship or disciples of Jesus Christ are called uh, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. To impact the world for God's glory and humanity's good, how can we Christians be authentic witness to Jesus Christ in communities and countries where different faiths and practices and truth claim and compete with the truth and the hearts and the minds of people? This morning, we will be sharing some ideas. How can we be salt and how can we light in practical ways to love the community? Uh, when the Lord said the word, your salt, we have to understand what does that mean. Because in the Old Testament or in the early time of New Testament, salt was so valuable. In fact, uh, it was so valuable that Roman legions were often paid their wages in salt. The payment at that time was called salarium. And that's the word salary comes from. And in fact, if you hear the word, he's worth his salt. That's because they were paid by salt. Of course, you don't have to give your donations today by salt, because we know salt is not as valuable as it used to be at that time. It's easy, you can, with maybe 50 cents, you can get a can of salt. At the same time, uh, when the Lord said you're the salt, we need to understand the figure of speech behind it because in the Old Testament, at least there is 11 usage of the salt. We're not going to go through the 11. We're going to go probably four or five. The first one is the symbol of abiding covenant. We can go to see the Bible verse. In Leviticus 2.13, you shall season all your grain offerings with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offering, you shall offer salt. Also in uh, Numbers 18.19, shows that salt was used to ratify covenants. All the have offerings of the holy things, which the children of Israel offered to the Lord, I have given to you and your sons and daughters with you, as an ordinance forever. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord with and your descend, descendants with you. So the covenant of salt means to be 
covenant or a contract that's made forever. It's a long period. And unfortunately, what we're seeing today, that covenants are always broken. Uh, look, look at the marriage contracts. Uh, unfortunately, I have not done the research, but I heard that the research shows that the number of divorce in the USA is about 50%. The unfortunate is, it says in the church is not different than outside the church. What does this mean to us? Are we really being assault? Are we honoring the contracts we're having in business, in life, in relationship, in whatever we do? So uh, it is very timely that we need to be understanding the importance that we are salt. We have to be uh, committed to our word, to, to be faithful. Uh, in biblical times, men were uh, having in, you know, in their wallet, if we're going to call wallet a small, small bag, uh, some salt. When they do contracts with each other, each one will take some salt and put it with the other, and they mix it together as a testimony that they have made a contract or have a deal together and trying to say that we cannot separate my salt from your salt because it's, you know, it's, you cannot, it's just, it's salt. And that basically was a symbol of the covenant that this is a long time or forever covenant. Uh, and we are called to be salt of the world. So we have to remember the covenants that we made. Uh, the second usage of uh, salt is uh, in, in uh, Elisha's word in 2 Kings 2.20. It is a healing and cleansing aid. And the story said, uh, bring me a new bowl, he said, and put salt in it. So they brought into him. Then he went out to the spring and threw the salt into it, saying, this is what the Lord says. I have healed this water never again. Will it cause death or make land unproductive? Second Kings 2, 20 and 21. It's a healing and cleansing aid. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been in the Dead Sea. And if you have any you know, cuts or scars or even you have shaved for us men, uh, beards and other. Uh, we have a famous singer, a woman. She had shaved her legs that morning and went swimming in the Dead Sea. And that was not a good choice. He was screaming and left the, the water because it has so much salt. It's a healing. It's cleansing. It's, if you have uh, many people for skin disease go and swim in the Dead Sea for that kind of healing power. And we are called salt. In a way, we have to be healing power wherever we are and present. We're going to talk about us leaving the salt shaker, but we are salt of the world, of the earth. It's also a stimulant of the appetite. Job says, uh, can that which is tasteless be eaten without salt? I mean, we, each one of us have a salt and pepper on our table because we cannot eat things without salt. And Job is wondering, anything that's tasteless can be eaten without salt? So to be salty is to be like Christ and live out his life, and we do so, we help those around us to develop a taste for Jesus. Uh, a young salesman was very upset that he lost uh, a sales agreement, and he told his boss, it seems 
you can take the horse to the well, but you cannot force it to drink. And his boss told him, you really, your job is not make him to drink. Your job is make him to be thirsty. And the question, are we being stimulant to the nations, to the neighborhood, wherever we are, that make people thirsty to have an understanding or interest in the life of Christianity and the life of Jesus Christ. It's also uh, a, a promoter of peace. Salt is good, Mark 9.50. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourself and be at peace with each other. Uh, those who are into chemical and have the word not being salty have a problem with this. We know that uh, salt is NCL, sodium chloride. It's always going to be sodium chloride. You cannot get, change. Just like you say, the water loses its witness. It doesn't happen. But what he's trying to say in the old times of the first century, the salt was not pure NCL. It was more of other components, and they would bring it from the Dead Sea with other minerals. Sometimes they even keep it outside with piles. With some rain, it will take the salt. So this pile of salt would lose its saltness, meaning it's become ineffective. But here, the Lord Jesus says, we have to be a promoter of peace. And also, it's an evidence of grace. Colossians 4, 6. Let your conversation be always a full of grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer everybody. A few years ago, my wife and I were here in Dallas. That was our first night in Dallas. We wake up in the morning, and a lady came to our apartment where we were staying, and she said, when, you're, when you parked yesterday night, you caused a dent on her car. I said, I'm sorry. So we went to see my car parked near her car. It's from my wife's side. I opened the door. There's a difference of about this much. The corner doesn't make sense. And it's a very small dent. I mean, really small dent. And she said, uh, no, you're responsible, and you need to fix it. I said, uh, ma'am, uh, we did not cause the damage. And we're not responsible for this. And she was so angry. She and brought her husband, and they start cussing, saying bad words. And I said, uh, you know, we're honest Christians. She said, you're using this just to uh, a way out, and you're Middle Easterners as liars. And you just start all of those things you can imagine. I have a choice as a Christian to ignore or take it as an opportunity to show love and Christian way. So I said, uh, even though we're not responsible, but to show you that we're really Christians and we're peacemakers and we want to do what is right. So she went to the dealership and they said, it's going to cost $400. I said, no, I'll take it to my friend. So we fixed it for $100 and I paid them the money. And I've loved them. And uh, every time they were aggressive and used negative words, Ruba and I were just calm, treated with in, uh, kindness. The next day, she and her husband came to our apartment and uh, asking uh, an apology. And they said, we would like to support your ministry. So they gave us an envelope of $100 and asked us, where do we go to church? They would like to come to the church where we go. We told them we're visitors. And we, in the location, we gave them a close-by church they can go to. 
And that was the end of the story. Next year I come, I ask about them. They told me that the husband had heart attack and died. So the point of the story, I have an, an incident. I could just say, no, my business. I don't, you know, I'm not done this problem. I just ignore it. But we can take it, if we are the salt, the way we react to situation, we become promoter of peace, we stimulate the appetite by the way we act. So I take any situation we face as a, a, an opportunity to be salt and to be light, not just say, I'm not responsible. The problem now, too many Christians are content just to stay in the salt shaker. Which is the salt shaker? This is it, the church. The church building is our salt shaker. Jesus said, we are the salt of the world, not the salt of the church building. You can leave salt in the salt shaker for 30 years. 40 years, it will accomplish nothing. You can come and enjoy the teaching and come and enjoy the teaching and do nothing with it. You are still in the salt shaker and you are in a way not really being an impact to the world. The whole point of the salt is to leave the shaker and to hit the food. We must impact our world with the life of Christ. Give the world a taste and a glimpse of who, are, who is Christ and who are the Christians. Jesus teaching us about uh, to be called Christians who are not salt are so worthless. They aren't even fit to be thrown on the manure pile. And I said about salt losing its saltedness. Jesus can tell what or uh, we are by the effect we have on those around us. What we do demonstrate who we are. Salt is constantly salt. You cannot be a part-time Christian or a low Christian. Christian is always a Christian. A salt is always a salt. I cannot just be a Christian on Sunday. And the rest of the week, I have my own hypocrisy lifestyle that I want to live in business, in marriage, in fatherhood, and all of that. It doesn't work. I am a salt 24-7. I am a salt. Are we making the world a better place? Are souls being saved because they are in contact with us? Tasteless disciples are not fulfilling the purpose of what Jesus called them because they are useless. They lose their testimony and influence. I'm not saying that they're going to lose their salvation, but I'm saying that they're going to lose their testimony and influence. The consequence of uh, such a failure involves the loss of uh, present usefulness and future rewards, as it's John 15, uh, 1 to 8. So the first thing Christ said, you are salt. Basically, we are valuable. People have a need for us. We're important. We're significant. You are salt. The second thing the Lord says, you are the light of the world. And light would shine. And the one who, if you're in a dark room and you have the flashlight, you have the leadership because you have the light. You don't have to do much to show that you're really a light because you're going to shine. And this is a command. Christ saying, you are the light and our purpose of being a light is to shine. He said you cannot hide uh, 
the lamp. You cannot hide the city on the hill. Why? Because the purpose of having it a light is to provide direction. And uh, being a Christian, that's a, by itself is a privilege and by itself is a responsibility that we have a direction. Believe me, the people are living in darkness. The world is living in darkness. And uh, amazingly now, conservative Christians are looking, were looked at as uh, some strange people. <laughs> and that's the liberals or the long lifestyle, the immoral is the norm. This is darkness. And we have a responsibility. We have the lead. We're, we're lights and we should shine and we should provide direction to the community we live in, regardless if they know it or not. We have a responsibility. You are the light. And remember, you're not a light by your own, just like the moon. The moon does not really have a light of its own. It's only a reflection of the true light, which is the sun. So do not think of yourself highly and think you're light because you're light. No, no, no. You're light because if you are keep connected to the source, to the source of light, which is relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, being a salt, it's something, you know, primate, but being a light is something shine. So we're not only supposed to live a holy lifestyle only, but we're supposed to express it by the word of the mouth. Being a light, basically, you have to shine in the community. So we will be a good Pharisees if we only live a good lifestyle, but Christ saying, being a light would shine and people can give glory to the Father because of the good works we are doing. So we should be doing good works, but at the same time, we're not doing it uh, because we're good people. That's why when I went to introduce ourselves to the leaders of the Islamic Relief Organization, we told them, we're Christians. We're doing it for the love of Christ. We say it clearly. We're not just because we're good people, we, we're good for humanity. No, we're driven by the love of Christ in our hearts, and we want to share and touch people's life with that love. Uh, basically, we are the hope of the world. If I think of the Middle East and North Africa, we have about 350 million people live in the Arab world. It's just the size of the U.S., I guess. When I accepted the Lord as a personal savior, I was almost 17, 16 and a half, 17. I never heard the gospel except that day. And uh, I struggled for over two, three years to know Christ or to know God. And even I tried other religions because I was seeking uh, the truth. I didn't enjoy my life. I always felt bored. I always was afraid from eternal destiny because I knew I'm sinner, I'm going to hell. Basically, a new believer. He was no training whatsoever, just was one month in his faith, read for me, word by word, the four spiritual laws. I was ripe and ready and gave my life to Christ. I remember that day, literally left that house, running in the streets. I felt so light, so joyful. I was, you know, that now I am loved by God and I am his son. Uh, the only hope that the world have is me, you, you. All of us are the hope of the world. We're the salt. We're the light. So you're valuable to the mission uh, of the, uh, what's going around us. At the same time, what's happening in the world, the dark world, 
there is stumbling block if I take in the way of Muslims, because I serve in the Muslim world, how they view Christians or how they view Westerners. Christians, to the Muslim friends, uh, first, all Westerners are Christians. For them, all Westerners are Christians. So basically, Christians are corrupt because what they see on the media, on TV, programs and videos and films done by Christians and it has full of immoral lifestyle. So this is the Christians that they know. Uh, also, uh, for them, they're showing favorism because of the support for Israel. I'm not taking any stand, I'm just sharing facts. You always see uh, in the Arab world, people are uh, burning the American flags because they're upset that always America is in favor of Israel. Imperialistic, church and state are not separate. So do not separate between church and state. So the foreign policy of the USA, it's administered by the church. That's their understanding. And sometimes mistakes might happen like uh, when President Bush was the president and he had started the war against Iraq, he called it what? Crusade. And he has Billy Graham to pray for this crusade. In their mindset, this is a new crusaders are coming to the uh, Middle East. So uh, that's their idea of the Christians. We're pol pol polytheistics. We believe in three gods. They don't understand the whole concept of Trinity. So we believe in three gods. And we are unclean. You know why? We are pork eaters. So we are unclean. We are, we are unholy. So Muslims in the Middle East are not attracted to Christianity or Christ because of lack of proper models. They do not have salt or light to guide them to the truth. When I mention I came Christian as the first time I heard the gospel, there are so many millions around us in the globe. They're not really followers of Jesus Christ, not because they're against the Lord Jesus Christ. They never had the opportunity to hear the gospel. I remember when I came to Dallas Seminary, I spent five years as a student. We lived all in all six years altogether. Two times people approached me to share Christ with me. I, I mean, can you tell I'm not an American? <laughs> by my color skin, by my accent. I, I only was pro approached two times, which I'm thankful that at least two times people approached me to share Christ with me. And one of them was Mexican, and one of them was an American. So that 50-50% uh, partnership. Uh, are you being a light? Are you being a soul to the community you serve? Uh, you cannot or you do not think you'll be an effective Christian worker and you'll be a great evangelist if you leave Dallas and go to Jerusalem, then you'll be more effective. If you're not effective here, you're not going to be effective in India, Latin America, wherever you go. You have to start and to have an impact wherever you are in your neighborhood, loving your family, loving your neighbors, uh, loving everybody can, you come uh, in touch with. You're a salt. 24-7, you're a light 24-7, wherever you go, you're a genuine Christian that have an impact on the neighborhood where you, wherever you are. So now we're going to speak some effective ways to let our light shine where multiple faith exists. I'm not sure if we're going with this. 
Yes. Mm. First one is uh, faithfulness, not fruitfulness. Uh, Christ in 1 Corinthians 4 went to Paul saying that the number one requirement of us is being faithful. Fruitfulness is important. But priority in our life is to, to be faithful. And I think fruitfulness come as a result of faithfulness. We need to be faithful to our relationship with the Lord. And uh, the tendency that we need to be successful. Everybody would like to be successful. But we need to be successful by God's standard. So the God's standard for us, success is being faithful. And fruit would follow. I do not put fruitfulness as a priority for faithfulness. Faithfulness is number one. Make disciples of all nations, number two. Some people saying just go to the receptive groups. One church one time said to me, why would we support you if you're going to the Middle East when I can support workers who are going to Latin America where people are more receptive or India and people are coming to Christ when we don't see much fruit uh, coming in the Middle East. Well, first of all, we do not know who are the elect. There is no sign that says you are elect and just go to Latin America or go to this and that and uh, ignore unreceptive people groups. There is, I don't think there is unreceptive. I think all humanity are in need of uh, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, including Muslim nations, all of them, all people without Jesus Christ are lost and deserve our love and care. And second, the commandment was not go to easy nation, was go to all nations. So we have to make disciples of all nations. Thirdly, multiplication from generation to generation. Paul says to 2 Timothy 2.2 2, that we have whatever we learn, we have to give it and trust it to others. So that would go with the disciple making the same thing. Are you, have you, have in your life people that you're discipling and giving what you've learned to the new generation? That's not only the responsibility of the pastor, by the way. I'm talking about each one of us is responsible to be faithful, to be uh, going and reaching out. The Great Commission is not done by nationals. It's done for every church members who are responsible to share Christ. Uh, for me, one of the most enjoyment meeting I have during the week is Wednesday night. I have a, a home Bible study. We're six of us, six men's, men's group. We meet. We have a light dinner. We spend two, three hours together. We pray. We open our hearts to each other. And basically, it's a discipleship-making group. All of them are in business. None of them are in the ministry. And we share our frustrations, our difficulties. And basically, I am investing my life in their life. And I've seen the maturity that happened in the small groups in the last two years. We started this more than the years they've been in church. So it's important to take it from generation to generation and forming small groups and fellowships. Uh, researching methods, it's very important because uh, People are changing. You have many populations, and there is East and West and Asians, and not whatever works with this work with this. So we have to do some research, and that will take us to strategy for the church. Know your culture. Uh, know your uh, Judea. Know your Sam Samaritans. Uh, know your 
uh, neighborhood, uh, other ethnic groups. Know them. Study about them. Uh, try to get to know them. Pray for the, the people. It doesn't work only by uh, strategies and by methods. And people are bind by Satan. And the only thing that would remove the power of Satan and the blindness on people's hearts and eyes are prayers. Are you praying for the lost? Christ said he looked and he felt uh, sympathy for the people. And he said the harvest is plentiful. Pray for the Lord of the harvest to send workers. And I pray that you will be part of the workers. It doesn't have to leave Dallas to be a worker. You can be a Richardson and you still be a worker. The harvest is plentiful. There is so much people have a need for Christ that are around you. Be salt, be light, have an impact. Pray for the people, salvation. Live godly, be a Christian model. Uh, you know, Christianity lived in the right way, being an authentic Christians, have more impact. Our action speaks more than our words. People observe us. If we live a hypocritic lifestyle, they'd know that. If you just come with me to the church, but your life does not represent the light that you speak about, they're not going to listen to you. So live a godly lifestyle. Uh, use storytelling, if, especially if you work with Middle Easterners. And the Bible is full of narrative and storytelling. The Lord used many parables. Uh, and people in the East are more... Uh, going to get connected in storytelling than just logic. I remember the first year I came to Dallas Seminary, it was 1987, one of the main speakers was John Stott, big name. I was there first semester, first year. We were at a church nearby, big auditorium, and he spoke probably for 45 minutes. I was bored to the death. I mean, I have no idea what he was talking about. He never shared a story. He didn't show a picture. He didn't say anything is funny. He was just talk, 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 talk. And I was glad that he finished. When he finished, everybody just started clapping and clapping and stood up for respect of what he said. It was like, I realized the problem was not in him. The problem was in me. I was not in connections because I was more based on storytelling, things like this. And with time, being at Dallas Seminary, that changed. And I start to be more uh, understanding the logic, one, two, three, then. That was not my culture. So when you share faith with people from the East or Asia, they might be more interested in your life, in your love, in the model that you present. Maybe have them on a meal or a cup of tea and build relationship and friendship. And uh, be a disciple maker as you do this, and then be patient. Uh, patience is very important. You cannot expect people, like now we're working with radical Muslims who've been living this lifestyle for the last 30, 40 years, and you just come love them and share with them their needs, and then they'll become Christians. It doesn't work this way. It, you know, uh, There is a lot of blindness. There is a lot of root things that's been in them. So we have to love them, pray for them, love them, pray for them, and trust the word, the Lord, to work in their heart and change their hearts. So we need to be patient. We just, our responsibility and our success as evangelists is to take the initiative, 
presenting Christ with clarity and trusting the Holy Spirit for the results. And that's your responsibility. You just take the initiative, sharing Christ in a simple way. Don't share yourself, share Christ, and be patient, trust the Lord for the uh, results. Uh, use institution to meet the needs. Christ has done clinic work. He has done food for the hunger work. He done all of this to reach out for the people's heart. And I think Christian organization have to build uh, hospitals, they have to build uh, schools, they have to build clinics, they have to build uh, uh, refugee places, whatever, to provide the needs of people and that they will be loved. Like, you would never have a Muslim coming or a refugee coming to a church without a need. We were meeting their physical need and then the emotional needs and then you can touch the spiritual needs. So organizational work is important and you need to uh, pray for that and be involved in that. And finally, expect and accept rejection and persecution. That's ex expected. And when they reject you, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Christ. He himself was rejected and he was crucified. So don't think that you will always be welcome. I have many stories when I was not accepted. That's okay. We just keep going on and love people and share Christ. As we consider our life today, can we honestly say that our life is like salt in the world? There is a tremendous need for every child of God to be all that God wants them to be in these days. We have seen enough falsehood, hypocrisy. We need to be about the business of purifying, preserving, penetrating, pleasing, and promoting so that the Lord can use our lives and our testimonies for his glory. God help us to be salty Christians. So we have basically two options, either being hidden in the salt shaker or we will be used as salt to the community. May the Lord bless you, bless your life, and shine for Jesus. Amen.